0: All right, you know the Bible says that this world that we're living in, and everything, absolutely everything in it, is passing away, and that we God is conferring on us a kingdom that is eternal. If you think of it, it's huge, it's absolutely huge, and I don't think it means when it says this world, it means the planet Earth. Because I do believe that we as Christians are called to redeem this place. Like we are called to redeem time, culture, music, art, cool cars, everything. <laughs> Jokes. But we are called to redeem the place. Are you guys happy? Show it on your faces. Smile. And so, so it, would, it would be super detrimental for us to put a lot of confidence in the system of this world, Right? Right? you agree with me? The pattern of this world, because it's passing away. And that's why the the Bible encourages us not to fix our faith, which is very closely linked to who we are as people, on the things that we see. But rather, we can only, only, how can I say this, we can only not do that if we see something else. So today, I'm going to start, we're going to start uh, with with preaching through the book of Galatians. And I just want to say, well done to the three boys who preached through Ephesians. You guys did great. Well done. I'm sure you had some quotes from it. Okay. Yeah. You did very good. Loved it. So we're heading out into Galatians. Galatians is an incredibly exciting book, and I just want to encourage you: read it. It's so short, it's very, very powerful, and it's a letter that Paul wrote um, uh, probably from Antioch or Jerusalem, one of those places. Um, one of those cities, uh, to the church in Galatia, which we call today southern Turkey. Well, Turkey, really. Galatia was that part. And so, Paul, i just give you a little bit of a background be- before we go into this. Because what I started with is very important, that we realize that God is revealing more and more and more and more to those who are followers of Jesus, like the Scripture, like the scripture says, followers of Jesus. He is revealing this beautiful kingdom. So, just off the top of your head, just tell me a couple of things about this kingdom that comes to your mind. What will be in the kingdom and what will not be in, in this kingdom that God is revealing to us? No Go. Darkness. No darkness. Righteous. Righteous. No, tears. No, tears. no tears. No death. No death. And therefore, no suffering. No, what? There'll be peace. There'll be legit peace. Because the Prince of Peace is actually then the King. He's the King of the Kingdom. He's now the King of the Kingdom. So if we live by the patterns of this world, the peace that God gives will never really manifest and reign in our lives. At what? We won't taste it. We won't experience it. We'll always be looking to a superficial external source of peace. That's why they have candles called peace candles. And they don't bring you peace at all. They just stink. Okay? Anyway, sorry. What else in the kingdom? Quickly. We'll be worshiping Jesus in the kingdom. If you don't like to worship now, chances are you won't like the kingdom. I'm sorry. else? Love. The love will be complete. The love will be complete. Now let me just say that because that's a big deal. This love will not be complete one day at the end of time. It will be complete then too. Do you understand what I'm saying? But that love is already manifested in capsules and in, and in and kind of spheres as the body of Christ finds expression throughout the earth. And that's the goal. The goal is ultimately to express this love. I'm not talking about a wishy-washy, universalist kind of, yeah, 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 love. No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about a love that is a person. And that's what we do as, as people on earth. We separate God from love thinking God loves. no. God is love. And so when Adela says we worship in the kingdom, if it's, a, it's it literally it's the way that we live. It is a life, it's a style of life of worshiping love. who's God. He has a name. Jesus Christ. He's the one who came and dwelt among us. What else about the kingdom? Ever increasing. So there's no fence. You can't sit on the fence. You can't be in or out. It's ever increasing. You're either in or out. John, did you? Say? It's too deep, John. Anyone else? Yes, it's filled with his glory. There's no sickness in the kingdom. There's no unforgiveness in the kingdom. There's no demon in the kingdom. There's no cultural paradigm from earth that rules the kingdom. Although every culture will be represented in the kingdom, but it will be a transient culture. There will be a kingdom culture filled with love, oozing out, forgiveness. On and on and on, the beautiful aspects of the kingdom. There'll be no disease. There'll be no compromise. There'll be no lust for the flesh. Those things will all be fulfilled in Christ. There'll even be no marriage. Except for one us and Jesus. So basically, that leads us to the fact that we are the bride. And as the bride... Okay, Kat, I'm not going to look at you again. Okay, <laughs> Sit next to Adela. <laughs> Slow down. I'm just excited about this. So I'm sorry for speaking too fast. Anybody have no clue what I'm talking about? Cannot keep up. I'm talking too fast. If we are the bride, this is how it happens when Julia goes out or Kath goes out or there's a party. okay, All the girls come to our house. Not all the girls, but the girls. Some girls come to our house, and they all sit around doing each other's hair and makeup and toenails and all kinds of silly things. Why? Why? They're getting themselves ready for the party, and and it's it's quite fun. They, you know, they sip on coke and stuff, and they partying and they putting makeup, straightening hair, and it's all to get ready and they're helping each other beautify each other for the party honestly take out your makeup bags jokes this is what this space is it is for us together to prepare ourselves for the coming of the bridegroom the sustaining oil of the spirit of God do you have enough And that's why Paul says over and over, even Jesus Christ says, encourage one another. Encourage one another. And while it is the day, do not harden your heart. As Israel did during the rebellion, and as a result, could not see the kingdom. Their hearts were hard. There are so many things in this world that can harden your heart. If you run for the things of of satisfying your flesh, your heart will be hardened in a tick. If you have a cultural paradigm that is dominating your kingdom perspective, your heart will be hardened in a tick. If I am more South African than I am Christian, I am in deep trouble. If you are more Canadian than you are Christian, then you are in deep trouble. If we are not following Jesus, and we cannot say, I don't care what culture it is, it really doesn't matter, that we are followers of Jesus, but we are not following Jesus. But no, we followers of Jesus, but we're not really following Him. There's no such thing, and that's why we are together and in this thing together, because all of us are going to wobble. And then when we wobble, John, pretend like you're falling down. John, you can make it. Get up, John. John, John, you can make it. John, you want some water? Get your owners down in the kitchen, okay? So Galatians is a story of the family of God. And basically, I was so excited this morning when Eric randomly started praying the prayer of what I was going to preach. It is the story of the family of Abraham, basically. It started with God making this beautiful promise, covenant with Abraham. And this is the the contrast, and it's so cool. Perhaps you've heard it before, but maybe today it'll pierce your heart in a new way and make you excited about what you are engaged with. Abraham was literally, the Bible says, as good as dead. He was 100, or 99. His wife was 99, or 100. They were old. <laughs> uh, oldish. Sorry, Grandma <laughs> They were oldish. The, bo- the bottom line is, they didn't have the potential to, pro- to produce fruit. They could no longer have a child. She could not. She was barren. Her womb was dead. And she could no longer, and neither could Abraham really... Um, uh, produce a child and so they were faced with this truth and reality and it's fine and we have all kinds of psychological approaches that, that, that nullify our expectation of life and say well you know it's, it is what it is and that's what it is, not so with God and I just have to remind you that God our God is the God of the impossible and when it seems impossible with man with God it is possible And it is always possible. I love that when God promises us something, there's a space between when God says it and it comes to fulfillment. That space is not just time. Please hear me. That space is literally a space in which we engage in a different kingdom. By faith in Christ alone. And are given the opportunity to praise Jesus. Praise just means delighting and giving yourself fully to the one who gave the promise. Before the promise is even seen on the horizon. Alice preached this a month ago. Unless we engage in that space where there's no fruit on the vine. Where there's no olive oil in the press where there's no provision, where there's no joy at times, where there's even no hope, and from that place, rise lift our eyes to the one who had made the promise, not obsessed with the promise, but with the promise giver, we will never see the kingdom. Never. That's our space. God, I'm so lonely. I need this. Yes, do you think God does not know that? God, I have needs. They're absolutely legit. God, I've been struggling with this thing for 30 years. 20 years, 30 years. It is amazing to read the scripture because you see guys like Moses who hid away from everybody in the desert for 40 years. And while he was just walking one day, having given up on everything, looking after the sheep, (whistles) A burning bush. And suddenly God brought him into his destiny, his purpose. Suddenly. He's still the God of the suddenly. Years of underground work. Why do we say it's underground work? It's not really underground work. It's just because we have been so conditioned to the paradigm of the world where we can pull up to a and say, Two Buddy Burgers, please. Yes, that will be $7. Drive up. You drive up, you get your Buddy Burgers and you're gone in three minutes. Remember, we're not engaged in this world other than through the filter of the kingdom reality. The book of Galatians just sharpens all our senses in that regard. All right, so Paul. Stop laughing, John. Why are you laughing? Okay. You asked us to be happy. Now we Nice. So. Okay, so Paul, Paul went on these mis- missionary journeys, and if you look in your Bible, if you have a Bible, chances are very good that in the back of your Bible, there's probably at least one map, if there isn't, I'm sorry about it, speak to Johnny; he's got a lot of references to maps and stuff, and you can trace the, the, the missionary journeys, as we call it, but basically, Paul just loved the nations, and he would travel, he went everywhere in the, in the Middle Eastern context, to some of the coolest places today, like Rome, like uh, Istanbul... Um, and like many other places around the Middle East where Paul went to preach the gospel. So I want to take a minute to explain to you why Paul was so upset when he wrote this letter to the Galatian church. Paul had gone on this trip, he went with Silas, he went with Barnabas, and he, on various occasions, uh, with Timothy even, I think he went one, one of the trips. Because in total he went on four missionary journeys and that overlapped some of the spaces here and there. But he was incredibly passionate because you know where Paul came from. Paul was a zealot who persecuted the church. He was emphatic in his faith That God was pleased by obeying the Ten Commandments, and he's still pleased by obeying the Ten Commandments to this day. And he was persecuting the church of Jesus Christ with all his zeal. And then on the road to Damascus, he was apprehended by God, and God took him off the horse. And then he said, Lord, who are you? And he said, Paul, uh, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And he was, and he was, uh, and from that place, you know what happened? He went. Interestingly, into the desert, just like Elijah did, and just like Jesus did, and he returned later on, having received from God a revelation. Say it's revelation. There's a question that I love to ask, it's this, what is God saying to you, and what are you doing about it? Because without that, we can, like Eric preached last week, produce powerful Christians without Jesus. If you are not receiving from the Lord fresh life I would want to say daily because God loves to speak to us. I think our problem is just with the listening. and Most of the listening is just stopping long enough and learning and developing that affectionate place to do that. But Paul now got converted by Jesus and was doing all these ministry journeys and he's preached this gospel that Through Jesus Christ, you are righteous. Because of a promise God made to Abraham, right in Genesis, the beginning of Scripture. And now, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we've transitioned from a narrow, please listen to me, this is so key, a narrow cultural paradigm. Because God had His own people, the Jews. So if you were Jewish... You were considered God's people. Now, because of Jesus, all of that was changed. These guys laid an amazing foundation leading up to this reality as it continues to unfold and develop. The temple on the outside said, if you cross here, you are responsible for your own death. It's on your own hands. You are not allowed in here unless you're a Jew. On the description of the outer temple wall, Jesus literally brought down the walls of hostility and made space for you and I. Any Jews here? Any Jewish descent? Any Jews? Right. We are called Gentiles. We are called Gentiles. And God removed this wall of hostility. That note was for you and me. You cannot come into the presence of God and not die. It was not your right. It was not your, you couldn't do it. Jesus Christ tore that wall down and as a result paid the price of that inscription made by man on that wall. To bring us into the presence of God. Why are you guys not jumping on the pews? That's why Paul was so passionate. That is the gospel. What happened on our side? Very little. Nothing. By faith in Christ alone, do we come into this position. And the gospel transforms us. As a result, like Abraham and Sarah... They could not produce fruit in the flesh in the same way Jesus was the better Abraham. We could not produce fruit. We still, to this day, the fruit of the flesh is utter debauchery. You can go and read about it. It's all over Scripture. Sexual immorality, drunkenness, unfaithfulness. It's, 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 It's horrible. And all of that is in all of us. This is the Gospel. It's super exciting. And so when Christ came... To be like us in human nature, he was the only one who perfected the law and therefore was not guilty of death, yet chose to pay the price for our guilt because we could not live up to the law. By doing that, brought down the wall of hostility tore the curtain open and we have access into the father not by anything we have done but by the completed work of christ who then is the righteousness of god imputed that righteousness to us so our righteousness is not our righteousness it is christ's righteousness if you think you are righteous by doing good then you are the furthest away from god you could ever be you're on a wrong mountain you're climbing a different mountain When you think you're climbing Mount Everest, you're on the wrong mountain. Because this righteousness has nothing to do with, it is a righteousness of Jesus. That when we come into Jesus, by faith alone, in Christ alone, we have an imputed righteousness, which means we are in right standing with God. Woo! On Paul's tracks, right behind him, came another missionary team. they taught something else. Paul couldn't even muster the words and say a a gospel, it wasn't a gospel. He said it's not a gospel at all. He was so upset about this, because all they did, friends, and we all do this, we all forget. The premise of many of the New Testament letters were that if we come into Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. The, light, the mind catches up to that reality and the more it does, the more the kingdom is revealed to us. That's why it is deadly if we go back. The entire thing was, God took us out of slavery. He broke the narrow cultural paradigm and the Jews are no longer God's chosen people. We all are. Hooray! Hurrah! We all are. But wait, that's not even the punchline. So here come the guys on Paul's footsteps. Now Paul has taught this through Christ alone, that Galatians are doing amazing. And they say, hey you guys, we think that you need to be circumcised as well. Why? Because for all these years, God's people were the Jews, therefore their cultural practices, Paul came and said, hey, look at Abraham. I'm just saying what Abram said. God said to Abram, circumcise, man. That's the sign of the covenant. Yeah, but Paul says it's no longer circumcision of the flesh done by the hands of men. It's a circumcision of the heart done by the Spirit of God through faith alone and Christ alone. And as a result of it, our hearts somehow come alive, our spirits come alive, and we have this increasing desire to know Jesus more and more and more. Even so, Paul at the end of his life, in Philippians, to the Philippians says, Oh, that I would know Christ. If Paul the Apostle says, Oh, that I would know Christ, it means that there is an infinitely beautiful, glorious, divine, beautiful God who you never can get enough of. You want to know him more and more and more. When... Your heart has been circumcised. But for those who are immature, they went along with that. And basically what they did, they went from the kingdom back into the flesh. From the kingdom back into the narrow cultural paradigm. From a free Gentile back to a non-existent wall. But I'm keeping my distance because I have changed the gospel into a moral code and list of to-dos. The tough thing about this is that because of love there is a moral code. An unspoken love reality I don't know what else to call it that we don't cheat why? because we love not because the law says that so that we can love that we are disobedient or we are obedient or we, were, we are nice people or we are kind to the poor All these sacred things we've developed, but they fall on a moral list. And like John and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, and he's saying, when we do that, we invite morality into the church. When we invite morality into the church, we are always in a place where we invite sin into the church, managing sin at various levels. No. 1 Corinthians Corinthians 5, the old is gone, the new has come. Don't go back to the old. Don't do it. Don't, don't observe the law in that context. Keep the horse in front of the cart. And so justification is a huge deal in the book of Galatians. Justification is a big deal. Everybody needs justification. Justification comes by faith alone in Christ alone. Please say it with me. Faith alone. In Christ alone. And in our communities, there are many people that need justification. In fact, all of us need justification, alright? The the licentious, uh, you know, wild living person who thinks they are in Christ needs justification. Just as much as the one who sits in the pews and thinks they're a good person doing all the right things need justification. They're often in greater danger. I didn't want to say that, but sometimes they are because they, their state continues longer and longer and longer before they come to the end of themselves, like the prodigal in the pig pen, and say wow, what the heck has happened? I had everything in the world, I'm sitting among the pigs eating slop. I'm going to go back to my dad and say I'm not worthy and you know what happened then to the good father, who let the son go, he saw him in the distance and came running Over and over, this wonderful justification. But friends, the last thing we want to do, and Galatians speaks about that over and over, is go back to the old. You cannot, if you come into Christ, you are no longer your own. You are now in Christ. The life you now live, you don't live for yourself. You cannot add Jesus to you to make your life better. You cannot add God to you and say, His grace is fine, He will forgive me and I can do and live whatever the way I want. You cannot literally say that. And, and actually believe that you are in Christ because your life is no longer your own when you are in Christ. It is Christ's. And the life you now live, you live by faith in the Son of God who loves you and gave Himself for you. It's a whole different paradigm. Does it make sense? It's amazing. It's amazing. It's radical. So our lives are not our own. And we live in the exact opposite culture where it says, no, it's about you. Find the church that's most suitable to you. Friends, I want to say, ask God about that. But I'm glad you guys are all here. You're very cool. So let's read it, shall we? Okay. So Paul tells him about this new world, this new family. Okay? Not to go back to the old. And it won't be easy to live in Christ because this world is being protested. By the current cultures, by paradigms, by idols, by false gods, you know, just by different various nations and demons that are living in those nations, there they they, they will be there will be resist resistance, okay it's it, it is still something that we cannot forget that all of Jesus's immediate disciples were martyred for the faith, all right so yeah. Chapter 1, I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. Introduction. Paul, an apostle, not commissioned and sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with him. I just want to say something. As I go along, I'm going to do this, okay? And I will only be 10 more minutes and I'm done. Paul, apostle, an apostle means emissary. An ap- apostle... The word apostle is also the word emissary. Emissary means sent one, sent out from among us, one, for a purpose. right? So if I ask Jeff, if we're working here and we need screws, and I say, Jeff, can you go to Home Depot and get us uh, a box of screws, eight gauge by ten. That's what we need, a box of screws. He will, for the purpose and the task that's going on here, become the emissary of the job. Does that make sense to you? All right. He is no longer, it's not about, It's not. It's, I love Jeff, but it's not about Jeff, it's about the job. Does that make sense? So when Jeff goes, he will not get to the door. I'm just making all this stuff up, so please just bear with me. Uh, he's not going to go to the door and say, Hey, Yaku, can you guys just give me a card that says Apostle Jeff on it before I go? Okay, we laugh, but I'm telling you now, that's how we've misunderstood it in this culture. And this is important because, because he will never do that. He will just say, Okay, I'm going to get the screws there and back, and it's simple. In the same way with this glorious inheritance, this treasure of the gospel. When God sends us, we are all emissaries of this glorious gospel, right? Now the different measures of the anointing, and God does that. That's God's thing, right? But we are the sent out ones, but 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 we are sent out by man. Okay? When Jesus spoke to Peter, I hope I can make sense of this for you guys. When Jesus spoke to Peter, and he said, Peter, who do people say I am? When all the disciples were with him before he went to the cross. He said, some say this, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say this. And then he said, who do you say I am? And he said, you are Jesus, the son of the living God, right? Big, big answer. And then Jesus said to him, wow, Pete, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. The word there is reveal. If Jesus is not the Son of God to you, and God has not revealed that to you, you will always be looking for a pseudo-Jesus that somehow gives you grace to enable you deeper into your fleshly circumcision. I hope I can explain this well. The same with Paul. Paul said this, Man did not send me, but God revealed Himself to me. If we do not have the illumination of the Spirit... And God is not becoming revealed to us. Not through one other person. No one else. But God to you. We will always be adding Him on. Instead of dying to ourselves. I'm sorry guys. I'm not making this up. Pure scripture. Jesus said it. Guys, are you going to leave me too? Thousands were walking away. When he invited them into the reality of becoming a disciple instead of a fan. A disciple of Jesus is a follower of Jesus. In other words, if Jesus goes there, I'm going there. And they said, no, we have nowhere else to go, you have the words of life. And then he says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he has to pick up his cross and follow. Two things, pick up your cross and follow And that's why religion has no ability to sustain us in any way. Because if we try to do this moral code thing of try and be better, try and be good, try and be better, we end up exhausted. Absolutely exhausted. And that's why he said to Elijah, after he killed all the prophets of Baal, what an amazing act. One guy murdered these guys by hand, by himself. Straight after that, one woman said, I'm coming for you Elijah and he ran and hid in the desert because he like all of us forgot he forgot that he was saved he forgot that he was forgiven he forgot that he was a child of God he forgot that he was a prince a priest and he went back Because he was exhausted. And we all do that. Galatians about that. Why did you begin in the spirit and are now going back to the flesh? Stay in the spirit. Wait for the revelation of Jesus. Then you will truly affect the lives of your friends and your family. We all have gifts. Friends, gifts are never going to do it. Anointing breaks the chain. Anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. Alright, I'm going to finish reading the chapter. Grace to you and peace, inner calm and spiritual well-being from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself as a sacrifice, sacrifice to atone for our sin to save and to sanctify us so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, basically this world that we're living in, in accordance with his will and his purpose. That's God's will. Not for us to live according to a cultural paradigm but the kingdom paradigm. Always to see above where Jesus is, seated. And to plan the plan of our God and Father. To Him be ascribed all the glory through the ages of ages. Amen. I'm astonished and I'm extremely irritated that you are so quickly shifting your allegiance and deserting Him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different even contrary gospel which is really not another gospel at all but there are obviously some people masquerading as teachers who are disturbing and confusing you with misleading counterfeit teachings and want to distort the gospel of Christ twisting it into something which is abs- which it is absolutely not but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel that is contrary to that, to that which we originally preached to you. Let him be condemned to destruction. As we've said before, so now say again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel different from that which you received from us, let him be condemned to destruction. This happened actually in Acts 15. He's standing right in Galatians. In Acts 15, you can read about it. These epistles are so cool because the book of Acts, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then you have the book of Acts, is the story of Paul's missionary journeys. It's an amazing, amazing book to read in collaboration with the epistles. Like Ephesians, we preached out of the book of Acts because he was speaking, he was in Ephesus. Now he's in Galatia, Acts 15. He says this. And then he goes on in Acts 15 which is another book, not Galatians, to explain what this gospel, this false gospel that these guys are coming to teach, the Galatians, that he's so upset about. Because these are new converts. This was about between 15 and 30 people, the Church of Galatia. And so uh, they are preaching. Verse 9, As we have said before and now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel different from which you've received from us, let him be condemned to destruction. So am I now trying to win the favor and the approval of men? or of God? Or am I seeking to please someone? If I was still trying to be popular with men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. The reason why Paul's saying that is because these false teachers had come to the Galatians and said, hey guys, listen, Paul is, 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 is scared of the Romans. He's a people pleaser. That's why he's saying that, yeah, don't worry about circumcision. But actually the real gospel is, you've got to be circumcised as well. You've got to add to the cross. You've got to do your bit. Okay? And, uh, and then it says here, <coughs> Paul addresses it here and say, I'm definitely not a people pleaser. I'm trying to please God. And so he appeals for the affection He's like really appealing for the affection and love. For I I want you to know, believers, that the gospel which was preached by me is not man's gospel. There we go again. It is not a human invention, a pattern after any human concept. For indeed, I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a direct revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus said the same to Peter. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. And that that revelation of Christ is one of the three major building blocks of the church of Christ. God is a God who builds generationally Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He is relational and he is revelational. And he's, the heart for you is to reveal himself to you and to reveal the kingdom to you. And the things that will hold you back is your cultural paradigm. Among other things. You have heard of many career and former manner, my, my, You have heard of my career and former man, manner of life in Judaism. How I used to hunt down and persecute the church of God intensively and with fanatic zeal. I tried my best to destroy it. And you have heard how I surpassed many of my contemporaries among my countrymen in my advanced study of the law of Judaism as I was extremely loyal to the traditions of my ancestors. But when God had chosen me and set me apart before I was born called me through his grace was pleased again to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles as a good news the way of salvation I didn't immediately consult with anyone for guidance regarding God's, God's call on my life and his revelation to me nor did I even go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me but I went into Arabia this is so interesting he went into Arabia to a mountain called Sinai anybody know Sinai? it's where God gave them Moses the law sure knows Sinai yeah, of course he does, of course, he does. It's like, of course it's where Elijah went when he ran away it's where Paul went and I stayed a while and afterwards I returned once more to Damascus then three years later I did go up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas Cephas was Peter and I stayed with him for 15 days But I didn't see any other apostle except James, the half-brother of the Lord, who really didn't believe in Jesus until after he was crucified. Now in what am I writing to you? I assure you, as if I were standing before God, that I'm not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown by sight to the churches which were in Christ in Judea, Jerusalem, and the surrounding regions. They only kept hearing. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the good news of the faith which he once was trying to destroy and they were glorifying God. See also this, the author of the source of what had taken place and all that had been accomplished in me. Justification. By faith in Christ alone, not by a moral code or religious system. How does that happen? revelation to who? not through me maybe some of it, a little bit or through anybody else that's a preacher up here, but directly Jesus to you Jesus to you, Jesus to me he is the way the truth and the life isn't that amazing? you are the priesthood of God that was Galatians chapter 1 in a nutshell. I think we can preach on Galatians one for like I don't know, five years, but not to So let's stand and pray together.